0: based on the scriptures. God's plan was always to use the unified family of Abraham to bring peace and justice to the world. But the tribes of Israel had been scattered because of the exile. Now here at Pentecost, representatives from all of the tribes come back together and they're introduced to their Messiah, the crucified and risen Jesus, so they can now become the restored people of Israel. And thousands of them start following the way of Jesus. Which brings us to Luke's tale of two temples. So you've got the temple that Herod built in Jerusalem, where Jesus' disciples worship like the rest of the Israelites. But now there's also Jesus' temple, which consists of people. This temple's meeting together in homes all over Jerusalem, and they were approaching life in a radical new way. Right, think about it. Many of these pilgrims aren't even from Jerusalem, so they formed these new families, and they're all depending on each other. Yeah, people would sell their stuff, provide for the poor among them. They ate their meals together. They said their daily prayers together. They were learning from the apostles what it meant to live as if Jesus is the true king of the world.
1: As I mentioned before we watched our video, today is uh, what's traditionally been called Pentecost Sunday. This is a Sunday uh, that the people of God have set aside uh, to remember a significant moment in the church's life. Even as Jason was encouraging us to worship, he talked a lot about what? Remembering. And like me, he says he has a hard time remembering things. Doesn't quite, brain doesn't work the way it did way back when. So we make reminders, right? We set aside dates on our calendar. This is what Pentecost Sunday is to the church. When we remember the birth of the church. And we do this all the time. We just don't really think about it, right? Uh, Think about the country that we live in. Do we set aside days to remember and celebrate and reflect upon significant uh, events or moments or sacrifices that people have made in the life of America? Well, of course we do. Next month is July. Uh, There's an important day that we set aside to remember. July 4th, right? A couple of weeks ago, we celebrated Memorial Day. We do this in other areas of our life, but what's great about Pentecost is it's not designated for a country. It's transcendent of nation. It's the birth of the church, and we set this day aside to remember our beginnings and to ask the Lord to once again remind us and equip us to do the work that he's called us to do, to be those people who share and show the gospel everywhere they go, to be the people, as the video said, who are living as though Jesus really is the king of the world. And the church's message, important to remember that because the gospel, the message of the church is the answer. It is the power. I can't remember as daft, as uh, great as Matt said, the remedy for the There we go. Somebody, I think that was Michelle, but it still counts. Um, The gospel message is the answer to sin. And that's what we've been talking about in our current sermon series on sin. What is it really? We talked about this big Christian word called sin for the past few weeks. And it's more than just a word, right? I hope you kind of have caught on if you've been with us. It's more than just a word. Sin is a power let loose on the world To do what? To undo everything God has done, to destroy God's creation, including human beings. So days like today, it's important to remember that, okay, what is the church? What are we called to do? What is that gospel message that he gave us? Because sin is seeking to undo everything and As we look in our Bibles, it doesn't necessarily give a definitive definition of like, okay, this is exactly what sin is. Instead, it gives a lot of different metaphors and word pictures and stories and examples. Last week, Matt talked about sin being sickness and the way that it spreads to others. Remember, it also makes us sick. We'll talk about that again this morning for a little bit. But another way that the Bible talks about it, if you've looked at our graphic, one of the words on there is alienation. This morning, we're going to talk about what is sin and alienation? What are those things? And to do that, we want to walk briefly through four things. Number one, what does it mean to be alienated? What does that word even mean in the Bible as we read it? Number two, what are the results? What happens when people are alienated? Number three, how does God respond? And then number four, how should we respond to God's work? Now, to get a A picture of what this looks like we're going to look at a few passages of scripture but first let's look at colossians chapter one so if you are what they call old school and you brought your bible open it up to the book of colossians chapter one look down at verse 21 where paul writes this once you were alienated from god and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior but now he has reconciled you by christ's physical body through the death and to present you wholly in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation, if you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you have heard, and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Verse 21, he uses that word, once you were alienated. What does it mean to be alienated? Well, in kind of its simple definition, alienation means a broken relationship. We might call that sometimes estrangement. Now, alienation is not just like a prolonged fight. It's not an argument. This is a a real cutting off of a connection. It's a disconnection between two things. And maybe you've experienced this. Maybe uh, you are estranged from a child. Maybe you've heard of people being estranged from spouses, parents, friendships. To where those relationships have so deteriorated that it's no longer healthy to be connected to one another. So you disconnect. You break apart. You don't have hardly anything to do with each other. This... Where did this come from? How did this happen? How can Paul say you were alienated? We experience this type of alienation, this estrangement from what the Bible calls the fall of humanity, found way back in the beginning of Genesis chapter three. And if you are a Christian, if uh, you've been here for a while, you know kind of the story, but Genesis, we get a picture of the early days of humanity and God. God created them. They're experiencing a relationship with God. There's harmony. There's a real connection. Adam and Eve are cultivating. They're creating. They're building a place where God can come and live. And he does. He comes and he's walking with them often. And the world is flourishing. There's harmony and connection. But in Genesis 3, we get the story of how that broke. How that relationship was fractured. There's a disconnect that takes place between God and His creation and God and those He created. Because God asked them, He said, Listen, we're going to co cultivate, bear my image, take dominion of this world, but there's one thing that I'm asking you not to do it's not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. This is what God was saying. Listen, I'm God. <laughs> Your created beings, let me tell you. Let me show you what's good. Let me show you what's going to bring you life. And let me show you what's evil, what could bring you death. That's all that he asked. He said, let me be the one who decides that. But in Genesis 3, we read that in the garden, there was another voice. So God was speaking to them, but there was another voice called the serpent. And the serpent comes and he deceives Adam and Eve. He tricks them into... Following him, although they don't know that's what they're doing, he tricks them into eating of the tree that God had asked them not to. And in that moment, what happened was a disconnect. Creation, humanity had become disconnected from God. Now, the problem with that is that God is life, God is the foundation of all reality. So to disconnect from life, to disconnect from reality, means to bring in death. The alienation brought in death. The disconnect brought in death and now death spread over all creation. And that original alienation from God that humanity experienced has trickled on down the line and multiplied a million times over and brings us to the point, what are the results of that alienation? It didn't just happen way back then it's happening now verse 21 once you are alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil, evil behavior so the estrangement is not just the alienation is not just long ago Adam and Eve you're alienated humanity is alienated from God what happens when there's alienation, when there's disconnect when there's discord between two people. Usually what happens is they begin to see each other as enemies. Maybe once they were in harmony together, but now something bad has happened. There's a fracture and they begin to see each other as enemies. You are enemies in your minds, Paul says. That's what's happened. Humanity now sees God as its enemy. Which is what the serpent really wanted them to do at the beginning. Instead of following after God and letting him decide, humanity, the alienation now causes us to follow after the serpent. And when you become hostile and you see someone as the enemy, you're really not keen to do what that person asks you to do, to take their advice. And then what happens? Evil behaviors. And it's easy to look out into the world and kind of see some places where this alienation has happened, right? God gave uh, his people the 10 words, the 10 commandments, don't murder, right? We look at things that happen like in Uvalde and Buffalo, and we look at the things we say, man, that's evil, that's broken, We're not following God in that area. Society is in trouble. What's going on? Why does this keep happening over and over? There's something broken here. But the alienation is so deep between us and God. The hostility is so deep that sometimes the things that we see that are evil, we actually see them as good. Our culture, the world tells us are actually good. Or maybe kind of neutral, right? God says, take care of widows and orphans. What do we do? Well, we go buy more stuff, go on more trips. God says, honor your father and mother. What do we do? Well, if they can fit into our life plan, but if not, they can kind of figure it out. We don't necessarily look at that and think, oh, that's evil. But that's just how alienated and broken. Humanity is. We're like children in the dark trying to find our way and we just can't. Remember last week, uh, Matt said that sin is like a sickness and that it spreads. It, and just stay in one person, it spreads and it goes out. Well, the alienation between God and humanity, God and Adam and Eve, God and us, doesn't just stay between us, it spreads out into all of creation. All of creation. The very planet we walk on, the one we inhabit, the one we're called to cultivate and care for, is alienated. After Adam and Eve back in Genesis 3, um, after they they fell, um, God does appear. He comes, he says, hey, where are you guys? There's disconnect, where are you guys at? And they come, they talk about what's happened, and then what God explains to them is, okay, now because you've done this, here's what's going to happen. And listen to what he says about creation, the planet we inhabit, in Genesis three seventeen. Cursed is the ground because of you. So, Adam and Eve, humanity make this mistake, now the ground is cursed. Though painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to ground, since it is from you were taken. For dust you are, and dust you shall return. Creation is broken. And I experienced this in a small way. Um... Anytime I try to plant literally anything. Um, I could blame it on my poor botany skills, but I would rather blame it on something else. Uh, So let's just, so I blame it on the creation, right? I go out I try to plant something. It doesn't work. Probably because I didn't tend to it like I should. Instead, well, this creation's broken. It's cursed. It's the ground's fault. And in some ways it is. That just shows more of the enmity between us and creation. I can't grow anything That's not how it's supposed to be. I I shouldn't be this alienated from it. But not only is the creation estranged, not only are we estranged from God, alienated, we're alienated from other people. There's a disconnect at the very core understanding of what it means to be a person and to be in relationship with other people. What are the core building blocks of humanity? Man and woman, right? Those are, that's the core fundamental relationship. But even that now is cursed. In verse 16 of Genesis chapter 3, God tells, says this. He's talking to the woman. He says, your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. Now, there's numerous ways to interpret what this verse means specific, precisely. But for this morning, what i want to focus on is how human interactions, human relationships, in some ways, especially male-female relationships, are marked by envy and domination. You don't all have to be history majors to maybe look back over history and say, has there been strife between men and women? Or let's just hold ourselves a little bit more accountable. Throughout the history of the world, Have men treated women the way they should be treated? You don't have to have a history degree to understand that. There's something broken. In the next chapter, in Genesis chapter 4, what do we read? We read about the first murder where a brother kills another brother. And then 5 through 11, uh, it extends out. And then there becomes a nation that's built upon... Murder built upon domination. And it spreads and spreads and spreads. Our relationships with one another are broken. And I, I imagine this isn't hard, but have you ever experienced any of this? As you sit in this room, does God feel distant? Have you done evil things? Have you done things that bring pain and suffering to other people? Have you experienced an estranged relationship? Have maybe you been a part of some sort of natural disaster where you've encountered the real true manifestation of brokenness on this planet, a tornado, a hurricane, a fire? This happens. In a way, we're all kind of snake bit by that original alienation we're all kind of snake bit we can't seem to make our relationships work instead of harmony there's disharmony there's disconnect okay so though maybe some of those are like really deep broken like you don't want to talk about it right you don't want to talk about that a stranger relationship but i'll tell you even communication sometimes seems hard my daughter yesterday, we got some groceries. She wanted a snack. Me and my wife were putting the groceries away. We're trying to tell her to hold on. She just wants a snack. She's telling us that she can make the snack herself. We're just trying to tell her to hold on. And what happens? Like should be an easy, simple combo becomes screaming and crying and running into the room and and talking and praying together or talking, trying to figure out what's going on. Why? There's this kind of difficulty between relationships that make it hard to communicate. That's just a small little simple one, but I mean, we could look at the global stage right now and see broken kingdoms, broken nations, nations at war with one another. Places where women are still sold and traded. Places where men seem to want to rule and dominate women so how does God respond to this how does God look down God sees okay broken planet tornadoes hurricanes awful things he looks down he sees individuals disconnected from him running around doing their own thing he sees relationships fractured and broken what does he do Colossians chapter 1 Verse 20 and 22, he says this, And through him, that him being Jesus, God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on heaven or in earth, by making peace through the blood of his cross. He has now reconciled in his fleshly body through death so as to present you holy and blameless and irreproachable before him. All things. That Greek word, all things, that means all things, okay? Every single thing is now reconciled into the life of God. Every, braid of gra- every blade of grass, every tree, every beautiful sunrise and sunset, God is, has reconciled all of those things in his Son. The estrangement between me and him, the estrangement between each other, the disconnect, all of those things have been reconciled. All those things have been put back right. How might you ask? Through the death of Jesus. He sent his son to die on a cross so that we might be reconciled to God and to one another. The answer to the estrangement that we experience, to the alienation that goes on in our communities and in our neighborhoods. Sin that causes all of that. The answer can only be provided by God because only God can destroy sin. Only God is powerful enough to destroy the brokenness around us. Yes, he uses me and counselors and politicians and mentors. He uses people to do that all great people, but in and of ourselves, on our own accord, without his power, without his reconciling work in our life, without the power of sin being broken over us, we have no hope. We have no power. How did God get rid of that? How did he get rid of the power of sin? How did he break it that we might be reconciled? On the cross. On the cross, Jesus took all that the world could throw at him, took all the evil, all the pain, all the brokenness, all the discord. He took it upon himself. Paul later says, he who knew no sin became sin. All that evilness, all that brokenness, all the alienation, all the sin is piled upon Jesus. It's brought into the life of God. And then when Jesus dies, what happens? That sin is destroyed. That power is broken by the love of God. God's love is so powerful, it can destroy all the brokenness of this world. I mentioned earlier that um, God uses people to, to do this kind of work, totally get that, but that we're utterly powerless against it. I was reminded of my own powerlessness the, this past week or two weeks ago when uh, the washing machine hose broke we have like a, a hose that goes into the back of the dryer to do the steam cycle thing and it goes over the rafters and back down in the back and the hose broke and water's leaking, took me about a week to figure out where the, where the uh, leak was, so fail number one, so then I'm like well I'll just go buy a new hose, so I go buy a new hose now I'm not super handy but I think I'm handy enough to literally screw a hose into a, a spigot, turns out I am wrong, alright? I I don't have the power to to hook up two pieces of metal together to run water through. What hope do I have against the sin in my life? Zero. God has to come and rescue me. God has to take the, the power of sin into himself that he might destroy it. And I think how he does it really does matter. How do the nations of our world handle estrangement, alienation, and conflict? Well, we're watching a little bit of it play out in Ukraine right now, right? It was once this country, they broke away. Well, we don't want you to break away. Well, guess what? We want you back. um, And we're going to bomb you until you come back. Well, what do we do? Well, we don't want you to do that anymore, so we're going to put sanctions on you so that you can't have food and all these things, right? War, economic power, all these things are what the world uses to fix estrangement and alienation. But what does God do? God sends his son to die. Sends his son to die. He makes peace through his broken, poured out body. Now, because of Jesus, because the power of sin is broken over our lives, the relationships can be restored. I'm restored to God. I'm restored to one another. In small little ways, the curse is being rolled back. Now the power of the Holy Spirit can come into my life and teach me how to love other people and serve them. Instead of looking at someone and saying, how can, what can I get from them? How can I dominate them? Or what do they have? I'm so envious. I'm so, oh man, I want what they have. I want their looks. I want their money. I want, I want their attention. I want this or that. We can be so restored by God that instead we can look at others and say, I don't have to worry about myself. God's got a a people who love me. God loves me. How can I care for that neighbor that's broken? Now that sounds easy, okay? (laughs) That sounds simple, but even in my own life, I'll give you, it is a work that God is doing. He's rolling back the brokenness, the greed and envy that he's broken over my life. I, I still find myself drawn to it. Even me and my wife were talking about marriage over these past couple weeks, talking about how we grew up and marriages that we, were, that we grew up in, our parents, and how do we manage these things. And I just begin to even just reflect and think about, oh, my gosh, there's still things there that God's trying to work in me. I still can't totally receive my wife and serve her as I'm supposed to. I still have this greed thing that creeps up. I want to be left alone or I want to do my own thing or I don't want to work together I just want to be myself and do my own thing it's so ugly and broken but God's done away with it and he's given me so many tools and gifts and people to help me live this out to live in a new reality why because the church God's kingdom is breaking into this world and it's destroying that old world we live in one of the most exciting times to be alive, right? We're living in what they call the church age, that God's kingdom is here. It's here on earth and it's growing and it's expanding and it's swallowing up all the brokenness. And the way the world used to run is done. Although we don't always recognize it, there's a new world. Remember in the video we, we watched about Pentecost, that says they were learning how to live as though Jesus were really in charge. That's what's hard about the Christian life is to know and look and see that Jesus really is in charge. Because when I turn on the news, when I get on social media, it still kind of looks like the serpents running things. It still kind of looks like that alienation is here. The things that keep me from being able to fully love and care for my wife, my own greed and selfishness, it feels like they're still here and that I have to give in to them. But friends, the good news is that world that runs on that stuff is fading away. And we can experience the future right now. First John chapter two says it this way. For everything in the world, he's going to sum up what makes the world run. And tell me if he's not right here. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. Comes not from the father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away but whoever does the will of God lives forever all there's a new world breaking into this one and the things that alienate us from one another that power is broken that's why it and this isn't in my notes so you're getting a little freebie That's why our church relationships are so important (laughs) because we're the forerunners. We're the model home in the neighborhood, right? You go to a neighborhood where they do, they build one home and they show you what the rest of the neighborhood is going to be like. That's why our relationships with one another really do matter because this is supposed to be the place where people come in and see what the future is going to be like. And when they come in and they see this doesn't look much different than anywhere else. And if you've looked in the news recently, sometimes it does look like, well, this just looks like everything else. Abuse, cover up, greed. That's why this church thing really does matter. That's why I'm getting ahead of myself here. (laughs) Forgiving one another, reconciling to one another. Crucifying our flesh, receiving one another as people, not as projects to fix, but just. How can we be connected and love? These things really do matter. Because we're the foretaste. So, what must we do? Okay? So, Jesus, God has reconciled the world to himself, He's reconciled all things. How do we respond to that work? Well, I could give you a list, and I have a quick little three list thing, but it all comes from Scripture. Paul says it better than I can say it. If you're wondering, what should I do tomorrow morning? Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and do this. All this is from God who reconciles us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. So we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we treat you on behalf of God. We entreat you on behalf of God. Be of God. Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So here's the pattern. Number one, be reconciled to God. To be reconciled, you first got to understand that you were alienated. In our sin, we are enemies of God, the scripture says. Loved enemies, yes, but enemies nonetheless. So this morning, you got to ask yourself, have you been reconciled to God? Here's Here's a good test. Do you want the things that this world offers or do you want the world to come? Are you frustrated that you don't have the things this world has? Or you're frustrated because you're not the way the world to come is. That's a good indicator. If you say, you know what, I kind of enjoy the world. I kind of enjoy how it is. You know, I'd like to get more head, get more money, get more power. But then maybe a light cuts on. It says, maybe I need to rethink this. That God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting his, their trespasses against them. This means to repent, to rethink everything. That's what repentance means, to think again, metanoia, to rethink. And you might think and think, man, Jeremy, you're right. I am alienated and estranged from God and from other people because I have these issues. What do I do? It could be a simple little prayer Will you turn to God with the empty hands of faith and say, I'm tired of my sin and myself and I just want you. Be reconciled to God. Maybe it's for the first time you're here, the first time you've never done that. Maybe you're a Christian, and there's an area of your life that needs to be reconciled. Be reconciled. That thing that feels like it controls you, God's destroyed the power over that. Give it to him. Number two, be reconciled to one another. Jesus talks about this a lot. Christianity is not just, okay, I get reconciled with God and it's over. No, in his most powerful sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, he says, if you do not forgive others, you cannot be forgiven. That sounds pretty serious. <laughs> that does not sound like a suggestion. That's a, there was a great book on Sermon on the Mount that said, what if Jesus was serious? In fact, he tells a story in the Sermon on the Mount where he says, if you come into worship, you come to the 930 service and you know that someone has something against you, not you're mad at so-and-so, you know someone's mad at you or frustrated or broke, there's a strange, whatever it is. Leave that worship service and go be reconciled to them and then come back and worship. So let me ask, is there someone at rooftop that you need to be reconciled to? Is there someone that goes to the other service and you go to this one because you don't really want to see them? That's probably an indicator that you need to be reconciled to that person. Now, that, those can be intimidating and tough and hard things to do. Hard conversations. But the church, this is where it should be easy. This is where we should do these things. And from my past ministry experience, broken relationships, fractured, disconnected relationships is where Satan works more than anything else. I I don't think Satan's really running around here trying to um, get us to have bad theology. Okay, sure. Maybe he is. I don't think that's number one on his list. I think number one on this list is if I could just get five of them mad at five of the other ones if I could just get one of them to get offended by this other one and not go and make it right I could probably do a lot of work here be reconciled to one another can I give just a quick I'm going to go really fast um, explanation of Jeremy that sounds awesome how do you do that how do you do that well Let's walk through a quick scenario really fast and we're gonna have a, I don't know, average looking graphic to explain it. What happens in human relationships? Person A goes to person B, says something, asks for something and person B feels hurt. Now, maybe it's intentional, right? Maybe person A is a jerk and said something he shouldn't say. or Maybe it's unintentional. He didn't know the whole story and he said something he shouldn't have said and person B gets hurt. There's a, there's a fracture there. And the longer that goes without getting fixed, those people drift further and further apart. Now, what should happen? Person B should just go right back to person A and say, you know what? You're my brother or sister in Christ. I'm going to fill the gap with trust. You hurt me. Um, You hurt me. And I'd love to talk about that. And person A should be someone that says, you know what? I'm a sinner. (laughs) I'm just a broken sinner. And I, I'm really sorry if I hurt you. Can we talk about it? Now, that's perfect world, right? What usually happens, though, person A goes to person B, the person B gets offended, and then person B goes to person C. Can you believe Pastor Jeremy did that? Can you believe he wears those pants? Can you believe he didn't get back to me on that email as quick as he should? Well, I should get back on that email to you, but... I saw him the other day uh, at the barrel blends down the street, and I don't know what he was doing there. Da, 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 right? This is what happens. And now, what happens is person C has this weird thing now with person A. Well, did they really say that? That's not my experience with them, but maybe they're not who I thought they were. And gosh, I don't know what to do. And now it creates this really ugly broken triangle. This is where Satan. Loves to, this is where the serpent loves to do his work. What person C could do in this moment is my third point. Be reconciled to God, be reconciled to one another, and do the work of reconciliation. The scripture says, entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. So we are ambassadors for christ if your person C in that triangle sorry michelle can you throw that back up there real quick what should you do you should listen to person b you shouldn't be a jerk and say pastor jeremy told me not to entertain this get away from me you should listen to them and say that sounds really hard i'm sorry that happened i'm sorry you're feeling that way i would feel that way too oh i'm so sorry that hurt oh man but hey guess what let's be reconciled let's not just leave this here Go talk to person A. That might be a hard conversation for you to have. I'll tell you what, I'll go with you. Or if it's super serious, maybe there's like really deep brokenness. Maybe we should get Jeremy or Matt or an elder to come with us and have this conversation. If we did that in our own church, we would be blown away by what God could do. But also the ministry of reconciliation is going out into this world And we should be like Terminators. (laughs) Instead of hunting humans, we should be hunting anything that brings discord, alienation and disconnects people. So we see things structurally or individually. We see things like racism, which causes entire communities to be broken and fractured and estranged from one another. We should be like running to them with the message of the gospel. Not just, hey, one day Jesus is going to save you, get to heaven. No, like, let's work this out right here. Because Jesus is ruling and reigning. So the things that, that are snake-biting you, God can do away with. You see, sexism in our world, we should be quick to run to it and confront it. And say, it shouldn't be this way. We shouldn't be dominating one another. got to be like the people in Pentecost, little mobile temples filled with God's spirit, bringing the ministry of reconciliation to those around us. Let me pray for us. Would you mind standing as I pray? We're going to sing a song, and as I said, before we can run out and be reconcilers, we need to be reconciled to God. So let me pray for us. Lord, pray for everyone in the in this room, watching online, Lord, maybe as I've preached, they've recognized some areas, Lord. Maybe for the first time, they say, "You know what? I, I, I don't think about what God wants or what God is desiring for me or the world He's creating. I'm just, I'm doing my own thing." Lord, would you show that person? Would they be reconciled? Would they come to you with the empty hands of faith and just say, hey, "Jesus, You're enough." enough of me, enough of my sin, enough of my brokenness, enough of, of me, more of you. Lord, maybe there's people in here and they're reconciled to you, but they look around them and they just see broken, really, estrangement, alienation all over the place. Would you help them to be reconciled to another person? Would they come and ask for help on how to do that? Would they ask for forgiveness if it's needed and would people be quick to hand out forgiveness if it's requested and lord would you make us a church of mobile temples the people who look at afton and we say okay what is breaking afton apart what are the things that are causing alienation between neighbor will you show us how as a church we can share and show the gospel if as I was praying this morning, something came to mind in your heart and in your life, some relationship, what we're going to do is we're going to sing a song and would you just sing that song as a prayer. And ask God to come, to give you the spirit, to give you more power to deal with that alienation and brokenness. Will you sing with us this morning?